Hello and welcome to the Soccer ESQ podcast. My name is Mickey Turner. You can find me online on Twitter at TurnerESQ. I'm a writer for The Athletic and Sounder at Heart, and I write from my own website, SoccerESQ.com. On this episode, I discuss an interesting lawsuit that was filed a couple of weeks ago. Mike Pecky, the former manager of Real Salt Lake in Major League Soccer, was fired after it was determined he used a word which MLS considers a slur towards referees after a match against Tigres in the League's Cup. He was initially suspended for two weeks in order to undergo anger management. That suspension was later upgraded to a full termination after Delo Hansen, RSL's owner, was caught on tape discussing the incident, having revealed he was considering firing Petke, even though the manager was serving his agreed-upon suspension. Petke filed suit, and the lawsuit has already claimed one other victim in Craig Weibel, now the former general manager of Real Salt Lake. I discussed the situation with Matt Montgomery of RSL Soapbox on SB Nation, who initially uncovered the Delo Hansen conversation with fans, which is believed to have initiated the about face, which led to Pecky's ultimate demise. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, joining me now is uh, Matt Montgomery from the RSL Soapbox on the SB Nation blog. Uh, Matt, uh, good afternoon here. I'm talking to you on a Wednesday before the last MLS uh, games of the season, or Thursday, I should say. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I wanted to have you on, obviously, and we tried to get this uh, done uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, and I guess it's good we didn't because there was some other news that broke uh, in the meantime, uh, mainly that uh, Craig uh, Weibel, the uh, GM, uh, parted ways with uh, RSL, Real Salt Lake. Um, and so I guess let's just start there because that was kind of the breaking news. Uh, what uh, just generally your thoughts on uh, Weibel uh uh, leaving the team, I suppose it's not much of a surprise given the lawsuit. Yeah, it's it's uh, not surprising that he's gone this year. For me, the timing was a little surprising. I think there are two factors there. Uh, one, I think Deloitte Hansen probably wanted him gone immediately as soon as he uh, saw those comments and probably confirmed those comments. Um, the fact that Rob Zarkos was there, who is the executive vice president of soccer operations, I think is his title. Uh, the fact that he was there uh, means he was probably able to pretty easily confirm those. And he's sort of a tried-and-true Deloitte Hansen guy. Uh, he's he's worked with him for many, many years, inside soccer, outside soccer. So so I think he had a reliable source there. So I think that's one factor. He wanted him gone fairly quickly. Uh, second factor for me is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking on the second factor, but I, I really do think... Uh, Craig Weibel wanted out. Uh, I think he was going to leave, and I remembered my second factor, of course, uh, and that's that uh, the the timing I think was impacted by a 10th anniversary celebration of Real Salt Lake's uh, 2009 MLS Cup, which of course we won in Seattle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's all circle back to the beginning of this, because uh, the reason that Weibel or one of the reasons he is gone is because of the lawsuit filed by Mike Pecky, the now former uh, head coach of Real Salt Lake. And let's uh, go back to the beginning, essentially, because Pecky uh, came from uh, New York Red Bulls and he uh, immediately established himself, I think it's fair to say, as kind of a, a fan and team favorite. And so. Uh, it's fair to say there was a honeymoon period to start off his his tenure with the team. Yeah, absolutely. He came in with a with a passion that we we'd been missing uh, under Jeff Kassar, We had a a team that was you know reasonably underperforming. 
uh, his answers in press conferences, which get a fair amount of attention in, in Utah, uh, his answers were, were generally just very generic sports answers. Uh, not a lot of thought went into those. So you had him for, you know, two and a half years. And Mike Peck, he comes in with this, like, rage and fire and answers things in different ways and, you know, swears on live TV, you know, that sort of thing. And people people stand up and take notice and say, like, oh, you know, this guy has passion. And, and I certainly was, was among those to note that passion. Uh, and, and there's, you know, there's always something that people like about someone calling out, you know, perceived injustices for your team, yeah. right? Yeah, and so uh, obviously one of the most uh, famous of uh, these incidents and the one uh, one that was raised in the lawsuit uh, was the uh, printer fiasco or the printer uh, incidents. I shouldn't call it fiasco because everyone loved it, um, except for, I guess, suppose MLS front offices. Uh, and that was after a Sporting Kansas City game, and that, that really endeared him to, to uh, Salt Lake Faithful and you know was at least somewhat responsible for him getting the full-time job, right? Uh, yeah, so so he had signed the full contract by that point, so okay, it was which after. would be the three-year contract uh, that was terminated in you know last month. Um, but but that was that was a huge moment uh, to to see like somebody come in that just was so expressive, uh, and I, I think we were all kind of upset at the time about that match. And Sporting Kansas City is a big rival. It's a rival, for us, yeah. And so there, there were a lot of factors going into just why that really caught everyone's attention. And, of course, how often do you get coaches ranting about printers? It's like a once-in-a-lifetime type thing in sports. And, and I think that that caught national attention. Oh, absolutely. Utah loves a little bit of national attention. Yeah. So uh, so we get the full-time job, and, and things are going fine. Um, or I should say, were things uh, going fine up until the League's Cup? And, uh, RSL, I think, has had a pretty good season, uh, but there was there were some ups and downs this year. Uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, but nothing that impacted his 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 job status at least at that point. Yeah, personally, I was thinking that you know he'd underperformed as a coach, but certainly not to a fireable point. Uh, losing four consecutive matches at the beginning of the season. Uh, really started things on a negative note, uh, but but he kind of pulled out of that okay, and and he'd started bringing the team around. Uh, so I think by and large there there wasn't a whole lot of dissatisfaction, um, but I, I think we were starting to see some cracks in the public perception of him, and and it was interesting how how that timed with his public outburst. Yeah, and as, and speaking of the outburst, uh, he had. Uh he had been fined several times for various uh, transgressions against, uh, you know, the printer incident. I think he got fined thirty thousand for that one, um, and he had some other uh, outbursts as well. Uh, did that stuff start to grate? Do you think leading up to the league's cup, or was it still something that everyone was more or less uh, amused amused by, uh, you know, until the league's cup game? So there was an interesting trend with his press conferences through the year. He'd, he'd remarked after the last big fine, which I believe was 25000 uh, that if he got another fine like that, his wife was going to be very unhappy with him. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, you know, is fair to say, right? Uh, and, and he started not quite dodging questions in press conferences, but he'd start, instead of answering them, he'd talk instead about, 
how he wanted to make sure he had more time to think about it and and things like that, which made this outburst all the more surprising. Yeah, I mean, obviously getting docked, you know, 10,000, 15,000 there, uh, even for a, a coach uh, is going to, at some point, uh, you know, it's going to put a bite in the, in the, in the pocketbook. And especially if you've got family, that's just not something you can, you can afford to, uh, uh, to, to keep doing. Um, so we move into the League's Cup game, um, which, for those who may not be familiar with it, I don't know why anybody who's listening who's listening to this wouldn't be, but it's a it's a it's a it's a competition created by MLS and Liga MX uh, to have the teams uh, you know uh, between the leagues compete in a tournament. Even though you have Concacaf Champions League, but we'll put that aside for for the moment. Um, so it's a competition for between Liga MX and MLS um, to uh, crown a, a winner of sorts. Uh, and uh, RSL was uh, was chosen for reasons that have not ever been uh, disclosed by MLS, uh, along with Houston, LA, and Chicago, uh, to to uh, play those teams. And so, uh, Lee, uh, RSL picked up uh, the match against uh, Cruz Azul. Uh, and and Matt, I you know you were out there. I assume you were at the game. Uh, you know the game itself. Uh, your general thoughts on the game itself, leading up to uh, what happened afterwards. Sure. Uh, just one point of clarification: it was Tigres we faced, oh, Tigres. Sorry. Uh, which was particularly particularly interesting because uh, they have a center back who used to play for Real Salt Lake in Carlos Salcedo, mm-hmm. yes. and their backup goalkeeper used to play for Real Salt Lake. Although he was a backup goalkeeper here and never really got minutes. Uh, at any rate, it was uh, it w- it was a surprisingly competitive match. Uh, yeah. surprisingly heated. Um, generally, just pretty fun to watch uh, you know and, and in that way I was you know feeling okay pretty pleased about our league's cup showing if we were reasonably competitive and it was enjoyable to watch then I think we'd achieved everything uh, unfortunately the crowd was uh, I mean it was partisan which you'd expect I think uh, it's no secret that Tigris is a bigger club than Real Salt Lake and certainly people would travel to see them uh, and, and we got I don't think of that. I don't think RSL is alone in that uh, as far as the MX team, so it's certainly nothing to be ashamed about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, now there were a couple issues. Uh, one, the crowd. Uh, so, so the word Peck he used uh, later on, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, the crowd had been using pretty frequently on goal kicks uh, that P word, and and that was that that was. You know, a little worrying, or a lot worrying, or concerning, or what what have you. I don't know what recourse there was, if any. Um, but it, it certainly wasn't great to hear that in our own stadium. And what followed then was uh, rendered even more, you know, like just bad overall. Yeah, and so uh, the game ends as uh, one nothing uh, result, correct? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so um, a good uh, showing by RSL uh, under the circumstances. Again, this is a game that wasn't on the calendar to start the year and with schedule congestion and, and what have you, certainly nothing uh, nothing to complain about, and especially in the light of it doesn't have any impact on the MLS standings. And then so we get words uh, afterwards that Pecky had, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you just explain it uh, through your reporting uh, because it's you know it's in a lot of it's in the complaint that was filed by Pecky. They they basically cop to a lot of what he uh, what he was accused of. But uh, uh, just for those who may not be aware, uh, he was caught using a pejorative word, which we've already talked about. 
Yeah, and uh, so he he stormed out on the field. So I guess we need to rewind to like the last minute of stoppage time. The game's <laughs> 1-0, and you think like, okay, Real Salt Lake's going to push for a tie here, maybe take it to whatever comes. I can't remember. I think it went to straight to PKs. Um, and so so that was exciting. Uh, and then like the strangest thing happens, uh, and I'll give a little background, but uh, a cat runs onto the pitch, and it just sort of runs kind of at a diagonal, like across the ball, uh, so right in the field of play, uh, and you know, in RSL's defensive half, an attacking player is coming down the wing, uh, and and you know the cat's just running by, <laughs> which you just don't expect. Uh, they make a break into the box. Uh, ball ends up going out for a goal kick. At that point, uh, the referee uh, calls, you know, a, I don't know what you call it, a, an infraction by the cat, I guess, <laughs> uh, and brings play back to that point. And uh, Mike Pecky was livid, and you could see it on the sidelines. Uh, he was, you know, very, very unhappy. And, and I, I guess I... It's hard. I can't justify anything he did, and we'll get more into that. Uh, but I, like, it was a weird decision, and the timing was a little weird, and and it, it didn't feel like maybe the right decision. But referees get things wrong all the time. That's part of the job. Uh, and and certainly, like incidents with animals on the pitch are not super common. Uh, although we've had a couple good ones at, at Rio Tinto Stadium. Uh, the most recent beyond the cat being uh, when a, a duck came onto the pitch. <laughs> and uh, I think we scored four goals that day, and it was it was just a good omen, I suspect. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, Pecky then, following the final whistle, uh, goes out toward the referee. And uh, you've got the, the three referees, the referee and the linesman there. Um, and you've got a couple of Real Salt Lake players kind of yelling at them, not... Not too much, but uh, certainly not something that that uh, they should have been doing. And uh, and this is where where Mike Pecky's story and what's seen on video sort of differs. And and Pecky here says that he went out to pull his players away, uh, and then says says something to the referee, uh, and is shown a red card. Uh, what the video shows is him uh, walking up, his players saying something to the players, them starting to walk away. He starts shouting at the referee. Uh, I don't know what he's shouting here. Uh, this is pre-slur. Uh. Um, so he shows him the red card. Uh, and then Pecky just uh, being held back by his assistant coaches repeatedly screams that slur we discussed. Uh, over and over and over, uh, and which was a which was bad. Like you know, full stop, no excuse. Um, but it gets even worse and stranger uh, because he then goes back into the tunnel uh, as as he would, right? Yeah. Uh, sees the referee again and screams at the same word at him again. Um, he then goes to his office, and this is confirmed in the complaint, and this is where it just, it, it completely comes off the rails for me. 
Uh, he goes into his office. The complaint describes him as uh, happening upon a pen and paper, <laughs> uh, which, of course, you know, people have in their offices, right? Yep. Uh, Pens, papers, printers, uh, all sorts yeah. of things. Um, and he takes the pen and paper, writes the same word on it, uh, goes over to the where the referee locker room would be. Uh, I believe he either shows the the head referee the word, or like s- delivers it in some way. And and that's where it just like completely goes off the rails for me. There's. I, I almost, almost, not quite get uh, this heat of the moment, passion type thing that Mike Peck, he was known for. Um, I think he went overboard several times, and I think this is a very, very clear instance of him going overboard before it gets to the tunnel. Uh, and once once it transpires in the tunnel, like there, there's no excuse, and it's. I, I think the firing was absolutely justified. Yeah, so... Uh, You know, in the in the criminal realm, this would be going from second degree murder, heat of passion. You see your uh, spouse in bed with somebody else and you decide to shoot them to hiring like a a contract killer and like premeditating uh, the offense. So it just it just it's a it's a wild escalation. Um, One, at least there's some mitigating circumstances. Second one, uh, there really isn't. But the, the interesting thing here is that. Uh, as you say, it's certainly a fireable offense, but uh, Deloy Hansen, the owner of uh, uh, Real Salt Lake, declined to exercise, which would have, you know, kind of mooted this issue from the start if he had just decided to fire Petke on the spot and instead decides to suspend him um, for two weeks and require him to do a number of uh, affirmative steps, a letter of apology, um, uh, anger management. Um and uh, from your uh, your view out there, was that surprising uh, to a large number of the fan base um, and media? Um, did you guys expect him to get fired at that point? Um, and what was uh, kind of the reaction out there uh, to him merely, quote-unquote, being suspended? So I think I expected him to be fired. Um, I'd heard mixed signals from inside uh, from from whatever sources uh, I'd heard both that they were planning to fire him and that they were then planning not to fire him uh, and a kind of call me Dolly Hansen talked to a random fan uh, following the Utah Royals game who just happened to be there uh, saw him and shouted when are you going to fire Mike Petke uh, and that was that was his response was captured on a video yeah uh, Deloy Hansen's response was, it, it was pretty plainly spoken. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, it wasn't, you know, he didn't seem perturbed. He didn't seem off-put. Uh, he just he just sort of started talking about it. And, and that's when I knew that uh, either because that video uh, or the, the transcript of it went public or for other reasons uh, that the firing was going to happen. Now, why that hadn't happened initially, uh, I'm really torn on. On on one hand, uh, I sort of suspect that uh, Deloy Hansen didn't think it was as big of a problem as people were making it out to be. Mm. Uh, Deloy Hansen really fits into that uh, you know good old boy uh, mindset here in Utah. Uh, he's very conservative. He... he uh, 
certainly, you know, that would be, I, I suspect, and, and I have to be careful here because I have no evidence, um, I suspect that he thought the word was not as egregious as it was and that uh, that the punishment was fair. Now, I have no confirmation of that. Uh, that's purely speculation on my part. That 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 would be I mean I I don't have any reason to counteract what you're saying or doubt it. It would just be surprising in the context of what MLS's stated policy is with respect to that word. Um, in fact, I I'm fairly confident they um, or it might have been the USA Mexico game, but there have been warnings about those uh, that word being used um, and consequences threatened. So uh, that would be. I would I would wonder why he would think that that would not uh, that would be not something that would cause a major firestorm, especially once the specific facts of the of the case came out. But um, again, you you you're on the ground there, so that's that's just an interesting side note on my part or uh, interesting thought on my part. So um, he uh, once this uh, video and the story that you guys reported came to light, uh, you know things obviously switched and. That's where we get into uh, where uh, Craig Weibel and uh, Zarcos is his name, I believe. Um, yeah, Rob Zarcos. Yeah, Rob Zarcos uh, come to play, and it's pretty clear at that point that uh, that Petkey is not going to last uh, much longer. This happened about a week before he was just, uh, was was due to come back, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, they have a meeting with uh, Petkey, and as is outlined in the complaint. Uh, basically tell him that uh, his his time is up, uh, that he essentially, because of what Hansen said, there was essentially no going back. And uh, obviously, Pecky didn't take that, take that particularly well. No, I think that's fair to say. Um, and so uh, Pecky's fired, uh, I believe, on the 11th or 12th of, of August. And this lawsuit obviously comes down the pike uh, about a month later. And you guys uh, get your hands on it, and uh, just just your thoughts generally on on the filing of the lawsuit and and, and some of the contents in there because uh, it was a, it was an, a, a very um, informative read. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of those cases where having a friend that's a lawyer was really helpful. <laughs> uh, I, I hope there are not too many instances where I need to have lawyer friends, but. Uh, I'm sure you understand, right? Yes. Um, and, and so getting my hands on that, and then, of course, it, it was public, and as it should be, um, it was really interesting to see uh, those facts laid plainly out, uh, the, the facts of, of what Pecky had done initially. Um, I, was, I was surprised, of course, to see that the suit alleged that uh, Pecky thought the word meant chicken, uh, which I don't think anybody thought. Uh, and again, I don't see how anybody could have that interpretation based on the stated policy of MLS that has been in place for a number of years. But but go on. Yeah, well, and and really, you can't expect someone like Mike Pecky to come in and scream that word repeatedly and think it means chicken, yeah. right? Or to uh, prefix it with the the words he did. Uh, if he thought that it was anything but the most egregious insult he could think of. Uh, so, so seeing that laid out was, uh, it, it was good to know that everything I'd heard internally was accurate. 
Yeah, and uh, obviously that was uh, one of the most interesting things about the complaint. Uh, additionally, basically arguing that RSL knew what they were getting uh, when they when they hired Petkey and in fact embraced it. That you know, <clears throat> again, we talked a little bit about that at the at the top. Uh, that uh, that his his antics, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, were were endearing to RSL faithful and the front office, and they also noted that uh, you know social media uh, took advantage of of uh, of his of his antics to you know kind of expand their brand and and appreciated what he, what he had done. Um, and so, uh, from what you've uh, been hearing or talking to people about, uh, how is the team, uh, to the extent they're you know telling you anything? Uh, handling uh, n- uh, news of the lawsuit, I assume they've mostly clammed up, but I'm, I'm sure you've heard some stuff, you know, kind of just generally speaking. Yeah, I think it's fair to say they've clammed up. We've just been watching Exchange, waiting to see uh, when the response comes. I know there are 21 days. Uh, I've heard very, very little from the club, uh, even from relevant sources. Uh, it, it really has gone a little dark right now. Uh, certainly the firing of Craig Weibel, I think, impacts that. Yeah. Um, I know he enjoyed talking to people about things and was fairly open. Uh, and just the number of people involved has been reduced. Um, so, so I think that makes it a little less leaky. What I've heard generally is, is general dissatisfaction uh, with people working for Deloitte Hansen. And we've seen that, you know, in various places. Uh, a local columnist at the Salt Lake Tribune wrote a column today uh, talking about how no one wants to work for Deloitte Hansen. And that's a pretty common theme I'm hearing is that uh, it's just a very toxic work environment. And and honestly, for me, I think uh, Pecky's antics, I don't know if they were impacted by that or if he worked well in that environment. Uh, it certainly... You know, it, it makes for an interesting data point, at least. Yeah, and you know, given the the number of uh, you know incendiary uh, comments and and ex- exhibits in the uh, in the complaint, that seems to back up that there uh, the, the work environment isn't particularly great, especially as as is noted that Weibel was looking for a way out, uh, which he he now has, uh, and I guess uh, lastly, I'll a- I'll ask you just uh, you know. Where kind of where do you see this going uh, as we wait for RSL to uh, you know to answer the complaint? As you say, they've got they had 21 days from when uh, when whenever they were served, which we would assume was shortly after this complaint was filed. Uh, you know, they obviously have a couple of options. They can answer it. They could file some type of motion. But um, just uh, you know, is there? Do you think there's likelihood a uh, likelihood of a settlement in this case, uh, or do you think this is going to go all 15 rounds? So I, I would have bet on a settlement early on. Um, and that's the fact that the complaint was filed has me doubting all those assumptions. So I would have thought that they would have settled out of court by now. Uh, but I also know that Deloy Hansen's a very stubborn person and uh, doesn't like to give up his money easily. Uh, and so I wouldn't be shocked if he's trying... He's willing to duke it out. Now, I think that ends up bad for both parties. I don't think there's any secret there. Uh, I 
think Deloitte Hansen has treated people poorly for a long time, and I think some of that comes out. Uh, I think Mike Pecky has done the same. That's uh, From everything I've heard, his personality during that outburst is not completely different from his personality in tough office situations mm. uh, where he just goes after people. So I think you start to get some of that out, and I don't know if either party wants that. Uh, that said, Pecky's asking for enough that he'd never have to work again, and I think it's it's pretty clear at this point he won't be working in the MLS again. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, as you you kind of note, if, if if they you know they seem to have somewhat similar personality traits, which is probably what attracted them to each other. Uh, that mean uh, Delo Hansen and Pecky in the first place. Um, of course, those types of relationships rarely uh, rarely last very long, uh, given the vol- their volatile nature. So maybe this was the inevitable conclusion uh, of that relationship. So, uh, well, this has been a, a great talk. I really appreciate uh, you joining me. Um, before I let you go, why don't you uh, give everyone a, a plug as to where they can find you on the Twitters and uh, elsewhere? Sure. So I'm the Crossbar RSL on Twitter. Uh, which relates back to an old blog I ran, you know, in 2011. Uh, and you can find my writing at rslsoapbox.com, uh, where I'm joined by a number of other great writers who, uh, who have some great things to say as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks to Matt Montgomery from RSL Soapbox for joining me on the podcast to talk about the Matt Petkey case. And I wanted to talk briefly about the lawsuit itself and there were about six causes of action that Pecky is alleging against RSL and I figured I'd go through them briefly and just kind of give you my thoughts initially on this. Uh, The first one is, uh, as you would probably expect, a breach of contract. Um, It's not a breach in so much that Pecky is alleging that uh, RSL didn't have the right to fire him at any point. Uh, As with all sports contracts or most sports contracts, you can fire the coach at any point that you want because you don't uh, think he's performing very well. Maybe the team's in last place. Maybe the the coach said something detrimental about the team, as in uh, the case in Colorado, where their former manager uh, had some disparaging things to say about the team, um, which led to the coach losing the locker room, at which point uh, the team decided that uh, he no longer uh, was going to be a good fit for them. Maybe a new ownership group comes in, or maybe a new general manager comes in and wants to wants to bring in their uh, their own people. That's all fine. It's not a breach of contract. What the problem is here is uh, is basically twofold. Number one, RSL used the fact that uh, Petkey had used the slur in question uh, as a basis to fire. Um, and that is, again, not something that is necessarily a problem. But the problem is that RSL decided that they didn't want to pay him either. And as with most uh, sporting uh, contracts, at least a portion of the contract is guaranteed unless one of several things happens uh, to allow the team to uh, dismiss the coach and not pay him. And I think the interesting thing is here is that initially they probably could have fired him for cause because of his outburst and um, decided that they... uh, 
didn't have to pay him. The problem here was that they declined to do so. Um, instead of uh, firing him um, for cause, they decided to suspend him, uh, have him go through anger management classes, write a letter of apology, um, accept a suspension without pay, all of which uh, we presume that Pecky did. Obviously, the problem is that once the Delo Hansen conversation with fans became public, he decided that it was untenable for Pecky to remain a part of the team. And they, uh, in Pecky's view, basically manufactured a way to get out from under his contract. So it's not so much that he, they breached a contract in firing him. Um, it's that they decided not to fire him, had him suspended, had him do a bunch of stuff, and then fired him anyway. So that is essentially where the breach of contract comes. And the other point uh, in the lawsuit that's raised by Pecky is that there was essentially a document that was uh, signed by Pecky and uh, the president, which basically outlined what Pecky did wrong, the punishment he was to receive, and what he needed to do to uh, come back to the team. And Pecky's uh, attorney is basically interpreting that as an addendum to the contract, um, and therefore part of the contract, and therefore they essentially don't have the right to fire him for that conduct anymore because they essentially waived the, the right to do so. It's an interesting argument. I don't know uh, how it's going to play, but it's it's a fairly novel argument to make, and we'll have to see uh, how that how that pans out. The other uh, cause of action is basically they're accusing RSL of uh, operating in bad faith. Again, part of this has to do with them deciding to fire him after suspending him. Um, the other part has to do with, uh, obviously, Hansen. Uh, once he was caught on tape, they alleged that he basically decided to fire him and tried to reverse engineer a way to get him out without having to pay the contract. And based on the fact that he, uh, Pet or Hansen, attempted to call Petkey, even though Petkey was prohibited from contacting the team, uh, that could raise an inference that he was trying to get him to violate the terms of his uh, suspension. Uh, and basically, stuff like that could be made to uh, made to seem like there may have been some some shady dealings by Hansen uh, once he decided that he had no choice but to fire him. And the most interesting, I think, cause of action, as uh, so to speak, is what's called promissory estoppel. It's a it's a legal theory which basically is designed to enforce a promise that's made between two parties. Um, when one party performs under that promise uh, to their detriment. Uh, it's a kind of a legalistic uh, way of saying a deal's a deal and you should honor it. Uh, the example I used is basically if uh, a friend of yours needs a ride from work every day uh, for a week because their car's in the shop or what have you, and they agree to pay you $50 a day to do that. You agree, you go and pick them up every day for a week, spending gas money and your time to do so and at the end of the week when you ask to get paid they say they're not going to do it even though you may not have signed a contract you obviously relied on their promise to pay you um, to perform your your side of the deal so even if there isn't a written contract um, you could go to court and basically say hey this is what the deal is he agreed to pay me $50 a day to pick him up for work I did so and he shouldn't get the benefit of of welching on that promise even if there isn't a signed deal in place so that's essentially what Petke is arguing he's arguing that they could have fired him they decided not to fire him and in fact they had him do a bunch of stuff to to uh you know to keep his job which he did and then they went back after he started performing and fired him anyway so basically he's saying you know they they could have done it but they didn't and so a deal's a deal and they should stick to it 
And it's a very interesting you know, legal argument. And I think it's probably their best legal argument. But we'll have to see what uh, what a court says. It's you know it's just one of those things that's going to have to be fought out in court, and we don't know how it's going to. Uh, how it's going to turn out at this early stage. And then there's a, a couple of other actions, which I think are probably a little weaker, uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress, false light and defamation. Um, I loop these all, lump these all together um, because I think they all have about the same chances of winning. You know, uh, as far as intentional infliction of mo emotional distress, you know, a lot of people claim that, and it's not as easy to prove as they made me feel bad, by their actions, you actually have to get a psychological evaluation typically, and uh, have a psychologist base uh, testify as to how this event has traumatized you essentially. Um, and then, as far as false light and defamation, this goes to some of the actions that uh, RSL allegedly took in the aftermath of the event. Uh, Pecky believes that RSL essentially uh, cast him as a homophobe uh, who uh, was just not a very good person. And basically, when Hansen said that Pecky's actions don't represent the values of, of the team, uh, yep, that basically implies or um, allows people to infer that Pecky is, in fact, a homophobe and a, a terrible person. And Pecky's basically saying, that's not the case. You knew it wasn't the case, and therefore you've defamed my character and made it impossible for me to uh, work in soccer ever again because of all the terrible things you said. So, again, that, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, there's obviously a lot of other stuff that's going to come out as a result of this. Um, and then there. Yeah, there's a couple of other other things in there, but I'm not going to get into uh, those now uh, because this po podcast has been pretty long as it is. So the next steps, uh, this lawsuit was filed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, RSL has until about the 10th or so to file a response and answer to the complaint. Uh, they can also file a motion to dismiss or some other appropriate motion. They don't necessarily have to file an answer. An answer typically means that you either admit the allegations, deny the allegations, or say you don't have enough information to respond to the allegations and therefore you deny them. It's a very technical, legalistic way uh, of, of responding to a complaint. Um, and you wouldn't should not expect anything of particular interest in those they try to typically do uh, give as little information as possible because you don't want to uh you know forecast your defense of the claims to uh the other side so you'll get very little information on that uh it does on occasion uh, they do provide a lot of information. It's usually a lot of stuff to slant, not slander, excuse me, uh, to slam the other side and just, you know, outline what terrible people they are. So it's, it could be a lot of fireworks, but generally speaking, it's not going to be particularly interesting. But we'll see. Uh, the original complaint was very salacious uh, based on the emails uh, and texts that were uh, displayed in the complaint. So it should be interesting to see what happens happens there so uh i think that's about it for this edition of the soccer esq podcast again thanks to matt montgomery for joining me to talk about the case again you can find me on twitter at turner esq and you can find my writing at sounder at heart and the athletic where this article was originally written so i hope you've had a good time listening to the podcast and i will talk to you soon